give you a really quick update and then, and then we'll move along. Um, Diane and I have been in Houston two out of the last three weeks, but we didn't stay here two weeks at a time. We were there two weeks ago, then we were home for a week, then we were there all last week. And, um, and, and now, um, just flying is just not my favorite thing to do, Harvey. It's just, you know, it's just, I, I try to use all kinds of excuses and, and like the airlines don't even care about cancer. I mean, they just try to pull anything over on them. They just can't, they're, they're tough. But anyway, um, we've, we've had some wonderful experiences. We were, um, we were in the airport in Raleigh-Durham, and Diane's always picking on me because she says that I know somebody everywhere. No matter, she can't take me anywhere. That somebody doesn't, you know, know who I am. And, um, and so we're in, we're in Raleigh-Durham Airport, where obviously thousands of people are, and suddenly I hear this voice go, Mr. Jerry! And I look, and, and April Garver is, uh, is at the bar. No, she's at a... <laughs> she's at a counter. That's a different than a bar. I guess it's a, she's at a counter eating a salad. You'd be happy to know. She was. She really, really was. And, um, but she was like a, just an, an angelic face right there. We needed, we just needed to see somebody and before we started our trip, our trip to Houston. And then, and then um, um, we, we did everything we went to do. Uh, we got a biopsy done, something that I couldn't get anybody on the entire East Coast to do. Um, the folks in, the folks in uh, Texas was just happy to slice right in there and get that thing, and we'll know about that. We will know the results of that in a few days. So if you don't hear from anything in a few days, it's, cause, it's not because I'm just holding anything from you or Maria thinks I lie to her all the time. No, no, that's not it. Preacher don't lie all the time. But, um, uh, but, I'm, but, I'm, but it'll be the middle of the week before we, before we find out uh, anything about uh, the biopsy. And whatever it is, it'll be so good because we've been waiting for this thing for well over a year. We've been trying and trying and trying for well over a year. Um, Almost made me a Texans fan. I'm a Texas Texans fan because we stayed right there at any rate. Um, but but there there were so there were places to go um, whenever we weren't just in appointments, and um, um, those places always evolved around food. I, I don't know about your house, but at our house, um, three times a day at least, somebody says, "What you going to eat?" or "What are we going to eat?" or what would you like to have? Where do you want to go? For you rare species of females who still cook, you might say to your husband, what would you like for dinner? Um, and, and I have one of those. We just don't stay home enough for her to cook. But, um, or in our case, and, and in every day, three times a day, well, I know they furnish breakfast, so two times a day, all day long we talked about where we're going to eat. You know, and, and um, so we picked these strange places like uh, Olive Garden, right? Because I know what Olive Garden tastes like. And so, um, in places like that we're familiar with or not. But anyway, the, you know, when you're uh, 1,500 miles away from those that you love, um, and, and you, you get a chance just to spend a whole week with just the one you love, you get a chance to just to sit and, and eat. And eating is a very big, very big deal. I'm afraid in our culture today, we've kind of gotten away from that. And that bothers me, and it bothers me a lot. Um, you know, Mama used to have supper done. And she'd holler, and if you didn't come, she didn't care. But she had supper done, right, because she cooked. Um, and, and we all gathered around the table every evening. We called it supper. Um, and, uh, and, and eating is always, was always kind of like a family time when you, when you could just talk. It's, eating is the only time when you make your kids put down the electronic equipment and turn off the television. 
Um, and, and it's that time when you can have family time. We've gotten away from that an awful lot, but, but I wish that, that we had not um, so much gotten away. Because, because eating means more than just food. Now, to me, I don't really care. I just need to eat so I can gain weight, whatever food. And Diane doesn't believe that. Where would you like to go? I don't care. Um, and so uh, she says there's not a restaurant called I don't care. But at any rate, um, that we talk about it all the time. Did you know that, that not only is that the thing about our eating um, is biblical, it, it goes back even farther, back there farther than Jesus, whenever they had the, 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 the Seder meal and the, and the Passover meal and these meals that our, that our Jewish um, uh, ancestors had. Eating was not just eating. Eating was a very special time. It was a time that you got together with either family or somebody that you really, really um, wanted to be with, buddy-buddy with, or somebody you needed to meet with. Um, and so that, that tradition continued right on up into Jesus' day. Now, what I want to share with you this morning um, is the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15. Most everybody, if I say, what's in Luke 15, know that the parable of the prodigal son is there. And right before the par- parable of the prodigal son is the parable of the lost coin. And then there's the parable of the lost sheep. And he tells these three parables in a row. And they are wonderful, wonderful parables that tell us that no matter where we are, no matter who we are, God comes looking for us. And it's just a wonderful thing. But I looked at these parables, and, and I'm going to just do the, the first two uh, this morning because I think they can say to us what we need to hear. Um, how, how many of you know why he told these parables? Well, if you go back to the very first chapter, excuse me, if you go back to the very first verse of the 15th chapter, the very 15th chapter, verse 1. I said that right, right? The New King James Version says it this way, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, that would be Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the other ninety-nine in the wilderness? And go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. Who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Jesus, as in, 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 um, in that day, as we were saying, um, caused, um, caused a ruckus. Actually caused, they were, they were complaining. Guess who was doing the complaining? Uh, it was the church folks that were doing complaining. 
Now, not, I don't have any complaining church folks, but church folks do have a tendency to do that. And they were complaining, and they were complaining because Jesus was eating and drinking and hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. And, and, and remember I said, when you sit and eat with somebody now, you know, not so much. But then, that meant pretty much that that was your buddy, that you condone what they did. It was kind of a camaraderie thing. It was like, oh, you know, we're all in this. We're going to have a, a meal together. And, and, the, and the folks that Jesus was eating with were not the kind of folks that rabbis needed to spend their time on, the church people didn't think. The things that Jesus was doing with the people with which he was doing was not something that a good, um, a good rabbi, a good church guy, a good Jew should, shouldn't be doing that. Um, they, should, they shouldn't be hanging around with, with, um, with, with sinners. Not talking about, we're not talking about uh, people who make mistakes. We're all sinners, as Jason began this morning. We're talking about people who don't even claim to have any religion, and that's who Jesus was dealing with. He was sitting down, having dinner, one-on-one with these folks. And the Scripture says, because that they were complaining, because they were complaining, these parables came up. I never thought about that. So these parables are wonderful about talking about God, and they do, and I think that there can be several meanings. But I think these parables um, real, real quickly talk about um, three different things. Uh, it talks about a loser, it talks about the lost, and then there's a great lesson in between that. When I talk about being a loser, I'm not talking about somebody who's a loser or whatever it is that they used to do. That's kind of old now, isn't it? Um, Mandy, you don't do that anymore. There you go. She can do that, but it's not nice. There you go. We need to talk after church, all right? But, but that's not what kind of losers. When I talk about somebody who's a loser, I'm talking about somebody who lost their um, piece of jewelry under the bed while they were asleep, like, um, like we heard about this morning. But when I talk about loser, tell me this morning, is there anyone in here is there one soul in here who's never lost anything material or has never lost somebody that they loved or never lost anything in their whole life? Is there anybody here who's not a loser? I- exactly. Jesus said, give it time. Jesus said, uh, Jesus said let, me tell you about, let me tell you about two losers. And the one was the shepherd who lost a sheep. He had a hundred sheep. But he abandoned that 100 sheep and went after one, abandoned he, uh, 99 and went after the one. You didn't think my math was that good, did you? He abandoned 99, went after one. Now, that doesn't make any sense because he's leaving the 99 by themselves pretty much out in the wilderness, except to say that, except to say this. It doesn't make any sense that God would love me and that God would love you. It's a crazy, extravagant love that he has for you and me that we can't even imagine. It's that extravagant out of the, just out of the, um, the perception. There's no way we can understand how God would leave, as a parable, would leave people who were okay and search after that one person. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said, let me tell you this parable. As a result of you seeing me eating and drinking with those who need me, 
these folks were lost. You're okay. And these folks were lost. And so that's what I need to be. That's where I need to be. And he went on to describe the loser, the woman who had ten pieces of silver and lost one and went. And how long she looked, we don't know. But she, she certainly went to that house and finally found her tenth one. There, there are a couple things in common with these two losers, by the way. These two losers, both whenever they found what they had lost, did two things. Did you notice? The first thing they did was they called their friends over and said, I have, I have found that which was lost. And the second thing they did was throw a party to celebrate. And Jesus has us look down on this party, the celebration. Think about this. Jesus has us look down on this party and this celebration. And because we're human, we can kind of understand that, right? We understand what can happen when you lose something and then you find it and, and you're having a party. But then Jesus seriously challenges them and us when he said, which one of you? Which one of you, when you know something is lost, would just scour the house or do whatever you need to do in order to find that which was lost? One true story, and that's uh, the two weeks ago, the first time we were in Houston, uh, we went out to a, uh, to a, to a restaurant. Um, one of those that, yeah, we don't ever eat, that was the um, Cheesecake Factory, because we know where all the North Carolina restaurants are in Texas. But, uh, but anyway, I always carry a light jacket, and, um, and um, I always, uh, because I'm cold-natured, in fact, this morning I know when I came into sanctuary that my nose was cold, so I was okay. I know what they say about dogs or something. And, um, but I'm cold-natured, so we always bring a can. You got my bag? Okay. We always bring a jacket. And in, in the pocket of almost every jacket we have is a blue bag. And the blue bag, the blue bag is simply a barf bag. That's all it is. Now, y'all might go, ew. But if you're sitting in a restaurant somewhere and you need to throw up quietly before you can get to a bathroom, there's a real lifesaver. That, that very night when we got back to, was that very night when we got back to the room, lo and behold, I had left my coat. Now, Chris, this coat wouldn't have been too valuable to you. It had Carolina written across the collar and it had the little UNC emblem right there. In Texas, somebody thinks that's cool. Yeah. You need the blue bag here, Chris? All right. <laughs> but somebody in Texas thinks it's cool because they got my coat. Okay? And, and, I, and first of all, we just said, well, maybe it's somebody who really needed a coat. Of course, if they needed a coat, they end up been eating at a cheesecake factory. But still, maybe they needed a coat. Maybe it was somebody you know, homeless that needed a coat, or they spent the rest of their money on that cheesecake, and so they didn't have any left. But, but, um, and so we just, we're okay with the fact that I'm never going to see that again. And then we kind of smile. We thought about it. Think about this. Some guy from wherever it is grabs the coat because he thinks he's got him a treasure, right? And he gets back into his car at home, wherever he is, and he goes, yeah, this is at least, you know, North Carolina. We don't have those all the time. Then he searches the pockets. And he's trying to figure out what this is. And every one of you can picture something. <laughs> 
But I hope he understands, that, or I hope that somebody tells this person, that's a barf bag. You just stole a coat from somebody who was very sick. Now, that's ugly for me to think like that, but I really hope that's what happened. <laughs> all right, so I can repent, all right? I can do that. Um, of that. Golly, I got to move along. That's the, that is the, 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 the losers. I've been a loser just the last few days, um, losing, losing my coat. And every one of us, listen, every one of us have, have lost something. Every one of us. And, and we, we experience different things different ways. But the second thing is that I really saw in this parable was the lost. It's that one sheep. It's that one coin. It's that one special thing. And that one special thing may or may not know that it's special. Obviously, coins probably don't know, they don't think. But it was so special. This one coin was so special to this widow that she spent so many hours searching for it. And when she found it, she called her friends and she says, Celebrate with me. That which was lost is now found. Or the shepherd. You know, there's no indication that the sheep knew that he was lost. In fact, I'm thinking that this sheep kind of wandered away and found him some green grass. So he was pretty happy he was lost. Isn't that a little bit like us? And sometimes we just kind of get strayed away just a little bit from the 99, and we find out the grass is greener over here. The grass is always greener over a septic tank. But the grass is greener over here, and so we just kind of stray away from our from our, our group, our family, and, and, and yet the sheep is lost. And sooner or later, he'll know that there are another 99. This morning, I need to tell you that when Jesus told these parables, he knew that we were going to be losers. He knew that we were going to lose stuff. And, and yet, I think what Jesus wanted us to hear is that we're all lost. I don't care who you are this morning. I don't care what you've done. That we're all lost without Christ. And, and the, the very thing is that Jesus goes and sits with those who are lost while these others are okay. And those who are lost are you and me this morning. We're lost without Christ. We may be like the sheep. We may be enjoying it. We really don't want to be found. We may just not even know just how lost that, that we are. By the way, Jesus' example of eating and drinking with the sinners, if I happen to see any of y'all doing that, then I hope it's because you're doing what Jesus did, okay? Nobody even laughed at that one, but that's, I'm just kidding. Anyway, Jesus wants us to know what it's like we know what it's like to be a loser. We know what it's like to be lost. But here's the final thing I want you to hear as we get ready to close. The final thing I want you to hear is I want us to understand the lesson behind all of this. Because there is a lesson behind all this. Yet, yet the parables, no doubt in my mind. The parables tell me that, that, that um, Jesus knows when I'm a loser. He knows that. He knows when I'm lost, and He comforts me, and He's with me each and every day. He knows how I feel um, whenever I lose something. And, 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 and it also tells me that, that no matter where I roam, 
that, that Jesus has just said to us, I'll find you. You ain't got to find me. I'll find you. You know, I don't know the terminology, Gabe, about, um, about uh, I found Jesus. And I, I've heard that expression before. But that, that's not, you're wrong. Jesus found you. You didn't find Jesus. He just kept, he just kept being there until you turned around. And, and he was always there for you until he finally found you. I think those parables tell me that. But there's one more thing, one more final thing that I think these parables tell us. These parables tell us that like like the celebrations and the friends and the partying that's going on here, when somebody that was lost gets found, there's a party in heaven like you ain't never seen. We can't even come close to partying down here like the party in heaven when one lost person is found. Think about that for just a second. How just ridiculous that is. That an awesome God who made all of the world just by speaking. That, that, a, God, that a God who is just too much for even our little minds and boxes that we put him in. That God is so extravagant that whenever somebody goes from lost to found, throws a party, and the angels all show up. Of course, I think probably angels ain't got no choice if, you, if God throws a party, right? But anyway, they have this giant party up, up in heaven. And, and I can't imagine that party. But I can say this. I believe that, I believe that party in heaven is for that lost person who never met Jesus. Not really. Not really. And continue to be lost until they just now found him or he found them. But I believe that party is also, is also just an awesome party for me when I get lost. When I get lost in, in fear or in doubt. When I get lost in in stuff like cancer and stuff and, and, and he finds me again and, and he holds me in his arms again I believe that there is a party in heaven going on again and every time I get lost and every time he finds me there's this awesome party in heaven that the angels come to can you just imagine that now let me just add one more thing to that Jesus looked at those people who were listening to him that day. And I want you to hear me say what he said. What one of you, if you know somebody's lost, what one of you won't go to whatever length you need to go to find that person? Which, which one of you are willing to do whatever it takes to find that one which is lost. And so I have a question for you this morning. How many of you know anybody who's lost this morning? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask for names, by the way. Yeah. Hear me clearly. That hand that you raised, I'm asking you then. You, did, you know they're lost but you're not willing to help them be found? 
You, you know they're doing wrong. When Jesus ate with the sinners, He didn't go out and go into tax collecting business. He was telling them how to live. You remember whenever He called Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus said, hey, I'll give it all back and multiply. Jesus, Jesus wasn't condoning their sinning. He was with them to tell them, I found you. I found you. He, Jesus, Jesus wants us to know that wherever we are, He may not, as I love the way Jason put it, he doesn't, he, doesn't, um, he doesn't want us to leave us the way we are. He's got a better way for us to live. And when we get found, there's a party in heaven. Now for some of us Methodists in particularly, we'll find somebody and we'll talk to somebody. Has anybody here actually, um, actually led anybody to Christ this last week? Month? Here. So Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to say, but you know they're lost and you didn't do what you needed to do to tell them, hey buddy, you're doing wrong. You're doing it wrong. When you go eat with those sinners and publicans, you got to tell them, no, 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 no. There's a better way. There's a better way. So I want you to pray for that person that, um, get yellow cord, that for that person that, whose hands you thought about and pray for each other which which one of you will, will will come with me for Christ which one of you want to make a difference in the world to make a disciple to be a disciple for the transformation of this entire world Lord let it begin with Jerry Pray with me. Lord, we, we pray this day for all those who are lost and don't even know it. Those who are closest to, to your kingdom and they don't know that. We pray for those who have been found and were lost again and been found and were lost again and are now lost. And, and we pray for their hearts to be touched this day. Lord, we, we pray for those who need Physical or spiritual or marital or financial or whatever kind of, whatever kind of assurance that they need that you're there with them. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, you know about our folks, the Garris Chapel family that's been in the hospital, Mr. Tommy and Craig Foss still there and Miss Sadie who's in, in a rehab and Lord, we just pray especially for all those who need you. We also pray for these that are written down. For Greg and Amy and Amanda and Emily Sugg in their struggles. Because God, you knew what it was like when you walked on the earth to have struggles. And you know what it's like now. Lord, we pray for uh, Billie Jean uh, Vaughn McDonough, who is Bill Vaughn's daughter, who was just diagnosed uh, with leukemia. We know that's just another form of the cancer that one day you're going to completely rid us of. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for all of the prayers and hear the prayers we pray of all those now who are praying in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do, this altar is open. Um, this altar is open if you just want to come and tell him thank you.
or tell him, I'm still here. What I want you to hear this morning is as you gather around this altar, listen, as you gather around this altar, there is a party in heaven going on. There is. Somebody, sometime this morning, is a party going on. So you can come to the altar while we sing with the angels as the party gets started. Would you stand and turn to page 701? And um, you know what? Sing out just like it is what it is. Again, you can come to the altar during this song as well. <laughs> 